Welcome to the River of Life Church podcast, your home for weekly messages that will equip you in your spiritual growth. Thank you from everyone here at ROLC and enjoy the sermon. How many of you believe God has a word for you today? God has a purpose. He has a calling for each and every one of you. In fact, God has a purpose and a calling for every human being that ever breathes the breath of life. But it's up to us to open the door for that purpose and calling, or we can continue to keep it closed. Sometimes the way the enemy tries to keep the door closed is by sending roadblocks, things that discourage us, cause us to view ourselves differently from how God views and sees us. And and so today, I want to talk about how you can step into your purpose and your calling. There is something more than just nine to five, just getting by, coming home, having dinner, watching your favorite television program, maybe Wheel of Fortune, and then retiring for the evening. God has something much bigger and purpose-filled for your life. I mean that. This is not just hype. I believe that because it's the Word of God. Somebody say amen. Amen. So turn in your Bibles with me. We all use our Bibles here. If you're not familiar with your Bible, it's because you got to keep bringing it to church till you get familiar. We have Bibles also in the back of the auditorium that you can pick up and use as a loaner while you're here. Philippians chapter 1, verse 6. The Apostle Paul says this, being confident, I like that, confident. Everybody say confident. confident. Say it with confidence. Confident. confident. <laughs> there you go. Being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Aren't you glad that God always finishes what he starts? And that means you and I as well. In fact, as I mentioned in the opening, every single one of you was created, given the gift of life on purpose. God did it on purpose. Remember that as a child, somebody may hit the back of your head and you turn around and say, hey, you did that on purpose. Well, God created you, gave you life. Again, for more than just getting by. In fact, God doesn't want us to live this life with a survivor mentality. Don't look to survive. Look to fulfill your destiny. There's a legacy being written for your life right now. That legacy may be known by the world, or it may be the close sector of individuals in your life, but still we are leaving a memory, a legacy, a word behind that can impact the lives of those yet to come. You were created on purpose. That means your giftings and your abilities are specific to your calling. Obviously, if someone is, is gifted with mathematics or chemistry, they do well in the technology industry or in the pharmaceutical industry. Those that have a sense of protection and awareness are good in the law enforcement industry. Those that are gifted in speaking can be used by God to bring the gospel message of Jesus Christ to people. I could go on and on, whether it's in the medical arena, whether it's sports and other arenas of activity. God gives the giftings to accompany the calling. He does it on purpose. And not just so we can be successful, but so we can use whatever He has given us to further the message of His love, His grace, and His mercy, not in religious fashion, but with a passion 
that people genuinely know that you believe what you're sharing. Amen? You know, when we're authentic, people will listen. People know when it's genuine and when it's manufactured. I'm so glad there's no manufactured Christians in this house. And I can tell you with absolute confidence, I am not a manufactured preacher. I just share my heart and give people Jesus. Isn't that what it's all about, people? Give them Jesus. Hallelujah. But you'll find when you pursue your calling, when you pursue your purpose in life, how many of you have ever noticed it's met with opposition? You've maybe made a decision, I'm going to really get things where I need to be with Jesus. And then all of a sudden, it's like all this, you know, opposition, roadblocks hit. And you say, what's going on here? Then it seems like it becomes a little more difficult than it was. Well, there's an adversary who doesn't want you to step into your purpose. He doesn't want you to fulfill your calling. So he comes with whatever tactic is necessary to dissuade people, to pull them away, distract them, derail them, get them off course, or even just stop the forward motion, put the car in park, turn off the key, and do nothing except stay there idle. I'm here to tell you God has more than that for you. In fact, God does not have an idleness for your life. He has prepared, again, a destiny, a purpose, and a calling. And honestly, today what I really want to do is spark, you know, a, 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 a hunger and, and a thirst and a, a passion for people to want to discover what is it that God has created me to fulfill in life. And I have learned in this journey called life, I'll be 67 this August, and in my almost 67 years of living, I found out that God is constantly revealing a new purpose, a new anointing, a new calling, which actually makes life quite fun. I mean, it, there's no predictability with God. He's deliberate, but His times are unpredictable by man, but He has already orchestrated them predictably, because that's just who He is. Hallelujah. So how many, are ready you, how many are ready to take a ride with me, take a journey with me, and, and begin to really step into what it means to fulfill, discover your purpose and your calling? Praise the Lord. I guess nobody. <laughs> how many of you are ready to discover all that God has for you? Come on. Let's hear some hunger, some thirsting. Amen. You get what you believe for, right? And we want to see God Holy Spirit, in fact, I ask that you would release great and mighty things in this auditorium today. Praise God. Praise God. Don't embrace the doubt. Don't embrace those feelings of self-worthlessness when it comes to your calling, when it comes to your purpose. Don't believe the lies. Don't believe the emotions. At times, you need to choose not to believe the words that others try to speak into you that discourage, that draw you away, push you down. It's time to embrace God's promise. And that's where the journey begins. Take God at His Word. And what is His Word for all of us today? The title of my message, You Are Significant. If there's a person sitting next to you, behind, in front, turn around or turn left or right and say, You are significant. Just tell them. Speak into the life. Say, You are significant. See, the journey of significance, you know what it is? It's getting from where you are to where you'll be. And in order to make that transition from where you are to where God says you'll be, you have to recognize and change your perspective. 
Sometimes our whole perspective, our whole take on a situation will determine success or failure. But it's just the way it is. I've seen that when people wrestle with addictions in their life, habits, things that have maybe been generational throughout their family. Well, my great-great-grandfather was that way. My great-grandfather was that way. My grandfather was that way. My father was that way. And I'll be that way. You need to change your perspective. Because Jesus does not and has not ordained addiction or chains for anyone's life. That's why Jesus, he said he came that he could bring freedom. You know, I am come that they may have life and have it more abundantly. There is no life in restriction. There is no life when the chains of, of, of addiction and, and, and other, other harmful habits you know, try to dictate our steps, our comings, and our goings. There's no life in that. Jesus came to bring life. And that's part of your significance. That's part of your direction. That's part of your calling. That's part of your purpose. To step in and allow the promises of His Word. Because God has left us this Bible for a reason. It's not so it can put you to sleep at night before you go to bed. It has been given to bring us life and to wake us up from spiritual sleep. When we discover the promises that are intact, and it's more than just black ink on white paper, or if you have a red letter edition when Jesus speaks, black and red ink on white paper, these are the living words, plural, of Almighty God that can change us because they are alive, they're still active, and they're mighty for pulling down strongholds and changing us and getting us on course so that we can fulfill the purpose that God has dictated for our lives. But in order to change our perspective, so we move away from this defeatist mentality, we first need to recognize and acknowledge the source. The source. Now, if you look at this portion of Scripture in Philippians, the Apostle Paul, he begins by saying, he who has, past tense, begun. That means it's already in motion. He doesn't say, he who is ready to begin. He who has begun. You know what Paul's doing there? He's taking the Philippian church and he's taking all of us back to our beginnings, back to our roots. See, he is reminding us of how we began and who was responsible for our beginning, meaning our salvation. So many times we come to the Lord and then we feel like we're responsible to handle everything from that point forward. But if we couldn't save ourselves, how could we dictate and handle things following the salvation that's from God? What began with God continues with God and will finish with God. Somebody say amen. amen. God's power is a necessity in all of our lives. Paul reinforces this principle in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8, when he says, For by grace, everybody say grace. grace. For by grace you have been saved, your salvation. How? Through faith. So you see grace and faith in operation together. And that not of yourselves, in other words, you had nothing to do with your salvation, other than just simply opening your arms and receiving what God was giving. Not of yourselves, and here's the closing, it is the gift. The gift from God. Amen? Now think about it. At Christmas time when there is an exchanging of gifts, 
You know, a person doesn't work hard so that you'll know exactly what gift or that you would purchase them and give them a nice gift, a better gift, because you've been such a good person. You couldn't earn that gift. A gift is just something out of thoughtfulness and a heart of love people give to show their appreciation of you. Now, when you're raising little children, they have a way of dropping hints. I really think I deserve this, mom and dad. And so because we love our children, if it's within our means, then we give a gift, even with some of their hints. But bottom line is, the gift came because as loving parents, or a loving parent, you chose to give. And the same thing, we have a loving Heavenly Father. Amen? How many of you understand and really believe that God the Father passionately loves you? Do you know spiritually you're His offspring? Now, we have a physical and biological parents, and we're offsprings of, of our biological parents. But spiritually, Jesus fixed what Adam and Eve broke in the garden by eating the forbidden fruit. And then when we accept Christ as our Savior, our spiritual offspring, our spiritual DNA comes through the blood of Jesus. Just like we have the blood of our biological parents through, flowing through our physical veins, the blood of Jesus Christ flows through our spiritual veins. We are recipients. We have an inheritance. Amen? But that gift, that gift was given. We couldn't buy it. We couldn't earn it. It was given out of love. When Jesus hung on the cross, arm left, arm right, feet together, nails through his hands and feet, spear through his side, crown of thorns on his head, he was saying, I love you. I love you. That is grace. And we accept that grace by faith. Amen? Jesus accomplished what we could not do and could never do. We can't save ourselves. You see, it was God's power that saved you. It was also God's power that has equipped you so you can fulfill, again, back to your purpose and your calling. Let me ask again. I'm going to be redundant because I'm a preacher and a teacher. How many of you want to fulfill your purpose and calling? Let me say it again. How many of you, those of you watching online, we can't hear you, we can't see you, but God does. How many of you want to fulfill your purpose and your calling? Come on. Yeah. It'll never take place without God's help. But because He has equipped us with everything we need to fulfill that calling, when the opportunity arises, and that's what a challenge is. Challenge is an opportunity. For God to show himself faithful. An opportunity for us to trust. An opportunity for us to believe. And when an opportunity provides, God has already placed within you, within me, whatever is necessary to get it done. And whatever we don't possess, he'll bring to us through others as resources to get the job done. Look at the life of Esther. Here she was an orphaned Jewish girl raised by her cousin Mordecai. Now, as she grew, her physical beauty also increased. In fact, her physical beauty was a part of her purpose and calling. For those of you who already know, and if you haven't ever read the story of Esther, the book of Esther, you should do so. But as she grew in beauty and stature, one day the king was looking for a new wife. 
And he sent his messengers all throughout the land. The king of Persia sent them all throughout the land to find a woman that would satisfy his eyes, his heart, his life, his kingdom. Then one of his servants saw, while others saw many others, Esther. She was then taken, and for one year, one year, all of these women who had been taken as candidates and taken against their will, they had no choice. They were taken, and for one year, they had beauty treatments. They were, they were gifted, trained in things of etiquette so that they would be presentable in every way to the king, physically, intellectually, emotionally. Finally, when it came to the day to choose, the choice of the king was Esther. Now, no one knew of her heritage, her Jewish roots. She was in the kingdom, in the palace, but yet thought of as any other Persian. Till finally one day when Haman, who hated the Jewish people, devised a plan to take and to bring a total annihilation, a genocide, against every Jew within that entire land and as far as they could reach. They wanted to have them put to death. Mordecai, one of the advisors, a righteous man, a godly man, the cousin of Esther. Esther had never shared her Jewish roots. And finally, Mordecai says, listen, God brought you to this place for more than just palace living. All of the amenities that come with your position now is queen over all of the land. God has placed you here to save his people. God has placed you here, and many of you remember this from Scripture, for such a time as this. And do you know it's no different with your life? There will become, whether it's a corporate setting or an individual setting, God will use you for a divine purpose with a divine calling to fulfill something significant for such a time as this. Whether in a person's life who's come to the end of themselves, they're wrestling with doing physical harm, taking their lives, and because of the word you bring at that moment, because you took the time to get from your schedule and be available as a voice for God in the life of someone broken and hurting. That will become a deciding factor of life or death. Eternity in hell or eternity in the presence of Almighty God. See, we never know how our lives will affect others. Obviously, God has given me a larger platform as a preacher. But do you know, I know my platform extends well beyond this church, these four walls, this brick and mortar structure. Shared first service, I feel to share it again. There was a time uh, I was at a certain church and I was a guest speaker. And afterwards, somebody came up to me, gave me a Pentecostal handshake. How many of you know what a Pentecostal handshake is? Pentecostal handshake is when somebody shakes your hand and there's cash in their hand. And then you feel the cash and you know not to look at it, but just close your hand and put it in your pocket, right? And then later you take a peek. Well, that was given to us. And the moment I put that in my pocket, didn't ask for it. It was just given for a purpose. God said to me, plain as day, it's not for you. 
you're going to give it away. Every last dollar. I said, amen. Lord, I'm here for your, for your pleasure. Well, shared with Cindy, and then she goes, well, how much was it? And we pulled it out, and we went, wow. And I heard the Lord say, it's not for you. I said, amen. So we didn't struggle with that. We're driving down, you know, the road, and, and we're praying. So we're, we're saying, Lord, who's this for? Who is going to have a need met? And you've given us the honor just to be the conduit, the pipe that the need flows through with the provision. Then we saw this man walking along the side of the road. It's very obvious he was not someone under an addiction that would take and use that for just to feed his inappropriate lifestyle. It was just a man who was impoverished. In fact, we looked, and as we pulled up, I pulled off the side of the road, we could tell that he was a migrant worker. It was during the season of harvesting, and the Holy Spirit said, that's for him. So I got out of the car, I walked up to him, and he was startled, and I said, sir, I'm not here to startle you. My wife and I, we saw you walking on the road, and we love Jesus. And Jesus told us, you have a need. And so this is for you. I didn't give him the whole story. He said, yeah, I was speaking out of church, and he gave me a Pentecostal handshake. Do you have, by the way, do you know what a Pentecostal handshake is? Yeah, you, know, you don't run through the whole dissertation. I simply gave it to the man, and I said, the Lord loves you, and he's providing for you. You can trust him. Tears start to stream. And I had tears, right? The Lord said, now you can leave. Don't do anything else. One plants, another waters, another sees the harvest. So I knew I was part of a wonderful plan of salvation for this man's life. So I got back into the car and told Cindy, and then she and I are both going down the highway like this. We counted it all joy that God gave us something for a purpose. And at that point, it was a calling to give. See, some people feel like they, they can give when they have a lot of money. But we're all called to give. Some of us can give more. But giving of our time, giving of our abilities, speaking into the hearts and minds of individuals that desperately need to know how much Jesus loves them. And obviously, at times, giving of our financial resources also assist in that. So Esther, she was placed there for such a time as that. And because of her faithfulness, the nation of Israel, the Jewish people, they were saved. The annihilation never took place. Haman was hung on the gallows he had created for Mordecai, and God's name was praised. God preserved the Jewish people so that Messiah could come forth. Satan, you ever notice that it's just like the Jewish people really get a bad deal a lot of the time? You look at history. They have just been persecuted. Satan hates that God placed a promise that Messiah would come through the line of David, the lineage of David. And God is still not done with Israel. Amen? We are living in exciting times. But that's another sermon for another time, or you'll be here till 3 p.m. But then you can all help set up for the church dinner tonight. God has called us for a purpose. You are significant. You are. Don't measure your significance by, by grandeur and, and pomp and circumstance. 
Measure your significance by what God has said in his word. You're precious in his sight. And there are lives you will touch that no one else could touch because you were willing to fulfill your purpose and your calling. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Everything you have been given is part of God's divine plan for you and for others. There's always a greater cause. And that's how we have to live our lives. I, I see so many Christians, and, and this is the thing you'll hear me emphasize over and over again, because Satan is a master at distracting people, causing them to focus on the wrong thing. And when they focus on the challenge rather than the one that says no weapon formed against you shall prosper, they become sidetracked, and then, then they live as a survivor, as I mentioned earlier. And God hasn't called us to survive. He has called us to take the land. He's called us to forward motion. He's called us to continue to fulfill what Jesus said just before his ascension. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the ends of the earth. So what's your world? For me, I hang out a lot in Pipersville and Doylestown. That's my world. And God has called me to wow, win my world, win our world. So the part I play is in the area where the Lord has placed me. And we all serve a purpose as well. And when we are focused on our purpose and calling, then we discover our significance. And as we discover our significance, that God just hasn't given us something to do without the resources to fulfill it, God says, you'll do it, and I'll stand behind it. You've got me backing you up. Hallelujah. Does that excite you? To know that the creator of the heavens and the earth is backing you up. He says, I've got your six. I'm with you. And remember, the word says, not Craig Lauderbeck, if God's for us, who can be against us? Stop looking at the challenges of life and allowing fear to overwhelm you. Fear comes. Don't get me wrong. I deal with it just like you. But when I deal with it, I speak the word of God. God has not given me a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. I remember when I first received the call to ministry and I was doing my training, all of a sudden from nowhere, just from nowhere, I had never been like this. Fear just overshadowed me. I would wake up filled with fear. I'd go throughout the day filled with fear. I'd go to sleep with fear. And even while I was dreaming, I was dreaming fear. Fear had become an obsession and a master over me, was trying to dictate my life. Finally, the Lord spoke to me and he said, speak my word, son. Speak my word. See, God was training me. A lot of people think, well, I've become a Christian now. Everything should be great. God's my defender. Well, he is, but he's given you a sword to defend yourself with too. But that sword is anointed with the Holy Spirit and power. And so God had me to begin speaking Scripture. And do you know, the moment I did that, fear was never an issue. Fear has come throughout my lifetime. But what do I do? God gave me his word, and I spoke fear. There is no fear in love, but perfect love. Cast out all fear. My peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you. Not as the world gives, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled. Neither let it be afraid. If you believe in God, believe also in me. How many of you believe in God? Amen. Amen. Word of God works. They're not just sayings. It's not just history, even though the Word of God is historical. It's alive. It's living. It's active. 
It's a resource to accompany and enable us to fulfill our purpose and our calling. I don't know about you, but I don't want to live like a victim. I refuse that. Even when I've walked through difficult valleys, when we lost our daughter on March the 16th was the 16th year anniversary of her passing. She lost her life right out on 413, this highway where God planted this church. And when the devil said, run away, you don't want to be reminded of that. I knew it was time to dig in and preach the gospel harder than ever and stand strong for Jesus. I did it with, at times with tears and brokenness, but God has been faithful and he will continue to be faithful. Why? Because I'm confident of this very thing, that he who has begun our verse today, a good work, will be faithful to complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. I'm no different than you. Oh, yes, you're a pastor. I'm a pastor, but I'm a man first. A Christian second, amen, I had to make that choice to allow Christ to come into my life and that I have to choose daily just like everyone else whether Jesus is on the throne of my life and I allow his future to dictate my present or do I just dwell and abide in fear with a victimology mindset? I can't stand being victimized. I'm a child of the king. So are you with a purpose and a calling. And we can rise up out of the dust. We can rise up out of the ashes. And we can forge forward for the glory of Jesus Christ. And give the devil a black eye along the way. How many of you want to give the devil a black eye in the spirit? Come on. How many want to really see the authority of God flowing and moving through your life? That's what God has called us to. Hallelujah. And that's why you're significant. God wastes nothing. He will not waste his Holy Spirit. He will not waste his resources. And he has provided all of that to you. He says, you are not a poor investment. You are, here's that title again, significant. You are worth the investment. You may see where you are now and be discouraged by it, but God sees the end of the road. He sees how you'll cross the finish line. Like running a marathon, sometimes that at that halfway point, 13 miles, it's like the wall. Those of you who have run marathons, you know what I'm talking about. And people train not only physically, but they have to train psychologically in order to penetrate and go beyond that halfway mark where a lot of runners stop and shut down. And God sees you and knows you will finish strong. That's what we all want, to finish strong. We don't want to, to end our, our, our lifetime in fear and, 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 and weakness of, of, of spirit and, 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 and defeatism and, and, and just giving up on life and, and even wrestling and doubting God here and there. We want to finish strong. That's what Paul, Paul talked about when he said, I fought the good fight. I've run a good race. One day when I'm an old, 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 old man. Hallelujah. And when the Lord says, I'm waiting for you, son. I want to hear him say, you ran a good race, Craig. You fought a good fight of faith. Step into your inheritance with me. Well done. Good and faithful servant. That's what it's about. You'll find as you fulfill your, your, your purpose and your calling, there are a lot of fringe benefits that come with it. You know, have you ever seen where God has not been faithful in Scripture during the most trying and faith-testing moments, David's faithfulness to confront a bear, to confront a lion, 
prepared him for a giant. And then when he defeated the giant by the power of God, he still had to take the step of faith. He still had to believe. He still had to put himself on the line, in the line of duty, in the line of battle. But he did it, and God showed up. And every time he honored God, he didn't say no. Lord, whatever you want, I'm yours, everything I have, everything I'm not. And his obedience not only brought the resource of God, but also brought the promotion of God. When we're faithful with little, God will entrust us with more. Those who are faithful with little, Scripture says, are faithful with what? Much. We don't serve, we don't obey because we want more. We just realize you can't outgive God. And when he's blessed and when we bless him, he just can't help but bless us in return. That's why in Deuteronomy chapter 28, it talks about the blessing of living in obedience to the commands of God. It says you'll be blessed in the city, blessed in the field, blessed when you come and when you go. Amen. That is for those that God calls significant. And guess what? All of you are. We're created in his image. That's significant. And he has now made possible for the third person of the Trinity, God the Holy Spirit. He's a person, not an it. He, the Holy Spirit, lives and abides and resides within every Christian, all because Jesus gave his life for us 2,000 years ago on that hill called Calvary. Without the cross, there would be none of these benefits. It was always God's intent for his children to be filled with his presence. And now because of Jesus, it's possible. And now that calling, that purpose, that significance that is tied through the blood of Jesus Christ, you're a spiritual blood relative as he equips you and enables you to be a part of the greatest plan ever that has been known to this planet called Earth. God is so faithful, isn't he, church? God is so faithful. Praise his name. Once you acknowledge your source, God is our source, amen? And once we acknowledge him as our source, then you are ready to experience the work. In our text, Paul says, he who has begun a good work, past tense. There's two words I want to draw your attention to, good and work. That word good, defined in the Hebrew as well as the Greek, is first found in the Bible, in the book of Genesis chapter 1. Chap Genesis chapter 1 verse 4 reads, And God saw the light. Remember, this is the first day of creation. The first thing he created was what? Light. And it says here in this portion of Scripture, And God saw the light, that it was what? Good. And God divided the light from the darkness. Now, let's go all the way up to the New Testament, when the Apostle Paul is writing Timothy, the pastor of Ephesus. He says to him in 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1, he's helping Timothy establish church government and for people to be placed in leadership positions. Not for a novice. It needs to be people who are growing in their faith. And Paul says to Timothy, if a man desires the position of a bishop, he desires, look, a good work. Now, sometimes we see the word good. We say, well, that's good. That's good. That's a good thing. Yeah, they, they should, you know, pursue that. It has a much deeper meaning. Let me explain. When you take and you look at this word good, it's defined as to reflect the likeness of God. That's why when God looked at light, he says, light is good. 
Scripture says God is light, and in Him there's no darkness. And that's found in 1 John. The apostle wrote those words. So light isn't God, but God is light. So when he looked at light, he saw a part of his character, his attributes. A part of himself was reflected in light because God is light. So that's why he called it good. Light is like me. It's good. And then when you take and you see he who desires the office of a bishop, Paul is telling Timothy, if a person is going to serve in that capacity, that's good. It's a good work. They have to reflect my likeness. Like light shows my likeness. I'm light. They need to reflect my likeness in order to be a good leader in the position as a bishop. In other words, just like Jesus. And then when you combine it with the word work, work means works, obviously, or deeds. So in other words, a work is our lifestyle, what we do, how we live. So when we see this together, good work in our text this morning, then what Paul is saying, he is saying that we should reflect the likeness of God in everything we do. Our lifestyle should exude Jesus. Does that make sense? And so when you see this, being confident of this very thing, that he who begun a good work, in other words, God is working to create and instill his likeness in you and through you so you can radiate to others who he is. People will look at you and they'll say, man, that's just like Jesus. He would have said that. He would have done that. We become a representation, one person at a time, so that our lives can affect the lives of of others. That's the work that Paul is speaking of. So when Paul speaks about a good work, he's saying your life and actions, again, will reflect the likeness of God. And this is the fruit of a transformed life. When we're allowing the Lord to work in us, changes how we think, changes what we do, what we say, where we go, where we don't go. But there's a process involved with that, and the Apostle Paul addresses that in Romans chapter 12, verse 2, when he says, do not be conformed to this world. How many of you have noticed the world has different values than what Christians do? Right? What's acceptable and unacceptable to us as believers, Christians, is different from what a lot of the world promotes. In fact, the world is always morphing. They're always changing what their values are. They're changing the rules all the time. How can you trust anything like that or anyone like that? You never know when it's spot on, when it's truth, and when it's not. And so Paul says in Romans 12 too, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed. How? By the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. See, in order to change the way we live outside, we got to change the way we think inside. Do you know the Bible talks about strongholds? Pulling down strongholds and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. The Apostle Paul states that. And the way you pull down strongholds, that word strongholds is also defined as mindsets, ways of thinking. There's a way of thinking that's honorable before God, and then there are ways of thinking that are dishonorable. So when we come to the Lord, we got to change the way we think. You know, if we're really going to realize our purpose and calling, and we're really going to embrace that we are significant, we're not here randomly, we were placed on this earth for a purpose, then we have got to come to that place where we begin to renew our minds with God's opinion of us. 
with God's opinions and God's structuring and God's thoughts of what is acceptable and unacceptable, holy and unholy. What we're allowed to be a part of, what we're not allowed to participate with. And that is what Paul says, changing our mindsets. And then the strongholds that keep people in addictions and all these other vices, when they change the way they think, when they begin to see themselves the way God sees them now because of Jesus, then all of a sudden all of those bad habits, those wrong ways of thinking, they begin to drop off and they no longer hold people captive. And then a person looks at their life in retrospect, that 2020 hindsight, and says, wow. I can't believe how far I've come because of Jesus. Things that once held them captive, no longer. Their significance, their purpose is reinforced. And they see the blessing of God. All because they've changed the way they think. When that happens, lifestyles change. And desires change. Weaknesses turn to strength. Which in turn empowers you to fulfill, again, your purpose and calling. And to embrace and really believe, I significant. Once an individual understands their significance, that's when God's power will carry the believer, carry that person to the end. God always finishes what he starts. Amen? Have you ever hired anyone to work on your house? They start the project, then all of a sudden you can't find the contractor anywhere. When are you getting back? Oh, I'll be back in a week. Then a week goes by. I'll be there in two weeks. And God forbid, and I mean that sincerely, that it has to become a legal issue. But there are times people start something, they start strong, but then they fail to finish. God always finishes what he starts. Paul says that again in our text. He who has begun a good work in you will complete. Complete, that means said and done. Will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Now the day of Jesus Christ is the return of our Lord either to rapture the church or till we go into his presence. But we are all a work in progress. We are all under construction. God is constantly working on us, fashioning us, transforming us, making us more like Jesus, right? We'll never arrive in this lifetime, but once we're in his presence, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 13, we will be like him, for we will see him face to face. So that's when the work is complete. But until then, God's always putting effort and love and wisdom, and supernatural impartation into us so that we can continue to become more like Jesus, so that we can continue to fulfill our calling and our purpose in life. I'm glad we serve a God like that. How about you? Amen. Fulfilling your purpose and calling, you know what it does? It will enable you to cross the finish line. And I said that earlier about a marathon runner, but we also see this with Abram, who then became Abraham, the father of many nations. What about Jacob, deceiver, who became Israel, God prevails. Joseph went from a prisoner to the prince of Egypt. Moses went from leading sheep to leading a nation. David began as a shepherd and finished as a king. Simon became Peter, and Saul of Tarsus became Paul. Again, God always finishes what he starts and that promise is true for you. How many believe that? How many of you really believe? God went to great lengths to birth and impregnate me with this word so that I could encourage not only all of you, but every single one of you who's watching this service online. I love what 
Zechariah, the Spirit of God says to Zechariah in chapter 4, verse 6, one of my favorite verses, those of you who read my book, The Father Revealed, you know how key this is to my life when I had an angelic visitation and this was the scripture that God brought to me. Scripture reads, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. Zechariah was given a great task to fulfill. And he understood his resources were not enough. And that's why God said to him, listen, this will be accomplished, but it's not going to be through might, your personal resource. And it's not going to be through power, which is the resources of others. When it's all said and done, you're going to know that you were able to do what you did and fulfill my command because it was by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. So what does this tell us? It tells us our significance is determined by God and also realized through God. We can't buy it. We can't earn it. All that we can do is believe and step out by faith. This is why the Lord always calls us to do something we cannot do without Him. Really. When I started this church, I had no constituents. I had no members except my children. That's all I had. By faith, I started a church in a theater with no commitments from anyone. And then God brought us from there to here. And he continues to bless. God called me to do something that I couldn't do without him. I like that. Amen. That's what stretches us. That's what shows, Lord, I really believe. And when God orders it, guess what? He always pays for it. Years ago, Cindy and I were at the beach, and we went to a restaurant. Then all of a sudden, we see this guy running out. Then all these waiters and the waitress chasing after him. Finally, when it's all said and done, the, the one waitress goes by who was also our waitress. I said, what happened? He goes, that guy tried to skip out without paying his bill, let alone leaving me a tip. So everybody found him, hunted him down, and made him pay. Amen. Right? The guy didn't pay for what he ordered. At least he tried not to. Well, God never tries to skip out. On the bill, he always pays for what he orders. So why would he leave you out? Why would he forget about you? Why would he forget about me? He doesn't. Why? Again, we are spiritual sons and daughters. Spiritual blood of Jesus. The spiritual blood of Jesus runs through our veins. Hallelujah. We are part of his family. He will never leave us. He will never forsake us. He is an ever-present help in time of trouble. And he has more than enough. Who else do you know who goes by the name El Shaddai? The God who is more than enough. Praise the Lord. Blessed be his name. Look at Noah. God called him to do something he couldn't do. Build an ark. 120 years was the timeline for this process to be fulfilled. There had never been rain. Water never came from the sky. That's what scripture brings out the water tables would elevate and irrigation would take place across the face of the earth. But there was no rain before that. And so here this guy is building an ark for 120 years because there's going to be a flood in an area where there was no rivers. And the way the flood would come, water is going to fall from the sky. When everyone knew that water just rose from the, from the ground and, the, and it would do the irrigation. He underwent ridicule. I'm sure he was hit with doubt and unbelief and discouragement, but he stayed the course. He remembered the cause. And because of him, the world was preserved. 
and history of the human race could continue with his family as survivors. God is faithful. Noah succeeded because he believed and obeyed the Lord. And that's when you really know you believe, when you obey, when you do it. When God is your only option, you can't do anything else but believe. How many of you have ever been in a place like that? You've run out of options. Lord, help. And then he shows up. He does what you couldn't do and no one else could do. In closing, are you a believer? Are you really a believer? I have found when you genuinely believe in God, you obey him. People forsake sin when they believe God. People study God's word because they believe it is the living word of Almighty God. People set aside time to pray when they believe. People worship because they believe. Every Sunday, the worship segment should be a passion for you to be here for. You've seen where revivals have hit throughout history. And one of the common dynamics that you see is people lined up outside of the doors to get a seat in time for the worship, as well as, obviously, the preaching which follows. When we believe, we worship. When people believe, they go to church. Ah, sometimes I need it, sometimes I don't. That is not a true believer. You don't believe when God says, don't forsake the assembling together of the saints, which some are in the habit of doing. When people believe, they keep the faith when all others fail around them and fall. People fulfill their purpose and calling when they believe. So let me ask the question I posed just a moment ago. How many of you are a believer? How many of you watching online are a believer? Smith Wigglesworth stated this. He said, if you seek nothing but the will of God, He will always put you in the right place at the right time. That's our purpose. That's our calling. What am I saying? You are significant. You are significant. You were created on purpose. It wasn't an accident. Even those who would be referred to as an oops baby or child that never knew their biological birth parents. And as I saw on the news the other day, a child found in a trash can in a plastic bag, newborn but still alive and was rescued. People would say, what a tragedy, and that is a tragedy. But still, that child now has the gift of life. And there have been many who have risen to greatness when they've come to grips that my life has significance. None of you are an accident. You are intentional by the heart and the passion of Almighty God. You are the miracle someone's been praying for. Because you'll take time to be involved and stop making everything just about you. When there's a need, your word at the right time, at the right moment, may be the miracle someone's waiting for. Maybe that money that Cindy and I gave to that fellow walking along the street was a miracle he needed at that time. We have got to live our lives as believers that we understand that we are the miracle someone's been praying for. 
you'll find that your influence, it can change history. It's astounding as you study throughout the millenniums and you read all of the records that have been written throughout history of nations and how someone with no notoriety, no acclaim, by the world's opinion, the least likely to succeed, but yet was elevated to greatness because of a great feat of faith. Displaying leadership from someone that you would have never expected it from. History can be changed by one person. Jesus was never a political leader. He was never during his earthly time a man of great wealth. But yet he changed the world. The Bible is still the number one bestseller this year in all of the world and has been for decades. Jesus hasn't changed. And if he says you're significant, then you can embrace and believe that. Praise the Lord. You may not know who you are. That's usually what happens with people when they lose hope, lose direction, lose confidence and faith. They're listening to so many other voices, they, they don't know who they are. But I'm here to tell you, God knows who you are. He does. He knows you by name. You are significant. Believe that. Lift your hands towards heaven. Everyone, right now. Those of you watching at home, those of you watching maybe from a hotel on the online broadcast. Just lift your hands wherever you are. If you're driving, pull the car over. Pull off the side of the road. Lift your hands. I just want you to pray this prayer to Almighty God. Repeat it after me. Say, Heavenly Father, I know you created me on purpose. I am significant. So I ask you to reveal my purpose my calling. I confess right now with my mouth, my words, that Jesus Christ is my Savior and Lord. I renounce all of my sins. I renounce all other allegiance to anything that opposes you. And I confess you from this day forward it's my Savior you're my passion you're my Lord thank you Jesus my sins are forgiven I'm free I'm excited about moving forward embracing the cause fulfilling my purpose my destiny I am the righteousness of God because of Jesus Christ. Amen, amen, amen. Give some praise in this house. Come on. Give some praise in this house. Nothing like knowing your significance. Amen. You are not unworthy. Because of Jesus, you're worthy. Before Christ, there's nothing within us that can obtain this great salvation. But because of Jesus, he takes that which is unworthy and 
makes it worthy. That's us. Amen? Let's all stand. Thanks for listening to the River of Life Church podcast. Subscribe and rate us right now on iTunes to be first to get access to new audio messages every week. Visit rolcdoylestown.org or like us on Facebook to always stay up to date on what's going on at ROLC. If you would like to support this ministry, visit the online giving page at our website. Join us next time for more from River of Life Church.